0: That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk.
1: All right, welcome in, everybody. Sports Talk on a wild and wacky Wednesday night coming off of a big night last night. South Carolina going to Tennessee, winning, upsetting the Vols. How about that for the Gamecocks? couple of bookend upsets in a seven day period. number six last Tuesday number five last night in between you had a little Missouri meat to uh, fill out that sandwich Gamecock basketball red hot red hot right now and just playing a style of basketball that Lamont Paris uh, loves to play everybody's comparing it to what he learned at Wisconsin playing uh, or, or coaching up there and bringing that style to South Carolina, and it's very, very effective now. Teams know when you face South Carolina uh, what you're going to get. It's a lot like, to be honest with you, what Frank Martin did at South Carolina in his uh, successful uh, seasons when they had successful seasons. I guess the most successful being the Final Four run. Though that team might have been a little more – I have to compare the numbers. That team might have been a little more offensive with Sundarius Thornwell uh, in particular – Uh, Chris Silva coming on as a freshman. The thing about this team, I mean, like that Martin team, uh, great defense, uh, well-schooled defense, and right now they know how to handle most offenses that they have come across. I mean, you hold a 92-point-per-game Kentucky team to what they held them to. You held an 83-point-per-game Tennessee team to what they held them to. Pretty great defense, and offensively, they do have, most of the time on the floor, three, maybe four folks you can count on to score. I mean, their outside shooting really came through big for them last night in the clutch. Cooper had a big three in the last couple of minutes after things were getting really dicey. He also had a couple threes prior to that. Wright had another big three. So... They're not devoid of offense by any means. They can shoot the three. They made their free throws last night as well. So it all came together. Uh, they battled Tennessee evenly on the, uh, on the backboards. So it a terrific to go on the road, beat a team that ranked Number five in the country undefeated at home in front of a packed house that was expecting their team to win quite an accomplishment. Yeah. And I know the, uh, The flashbacks today have been to 1968, the last time the Gamecocks won games over top 10 teams in a three-game period. Go back to 68, the beginning of the McGuire run from 68 to 75, those magical days for Gamecock basketball that were just getting underway. You really didn't know what you had. 68, Bobby Crimmins and... Uh, that group was just starting to come together. That was before, because Roach and those guys, they were freshmen then. They couldn't play, right? They didn't play until 69, if my memory is right. And, of course, that's when things really took off, once that group came together, and then McGuire added more to it. So South Carolina got a well-earned victory. And then Clemson last night, I mean, dominating Louisville, and then they took their foot off the gas again and almost let it slip away. But they held on, and they beat Louisville at home, and that should give the uh, the Tigers some uh, feel-good mojo going into a very tough game, very tough game Saturday against Virginia. I don't know. I was thinking about Clemson, Brad Brownell, and what makes his teams good, and what makes his teams not so good. And I'm telling you, it just seems like every time he has – a team that is more offensive than defensive, they struggle. His best teams have been the ones that can really clamp down on you defensively at any time and make you play at a particular pace, much like this South Carolina team. I think his best teams are the ones where they were better on defense but good enough on offense to put up enough points because you didn't have to have a whole bunch of points. You didn't have to score 75, 80 points. Because you defensively, you were going to limit the other team to something in the 50s or the low 60s. He has said this team has not been a great defensive team. And again, last night, I mean, for a while they played good defense, but then they let Louisville off the hook. And Louisville almost made a miraculous comeback from 24 down at Little John. So they got a tough one coming up with Virginia. Virginia will make you earn every point. And, I mean, if – If Brad Brunel could play this game in the 50s like his teams used to, I think he'd be happy about that because they'd have a very good chance of winning. They may have a good chance to win anyway, but they're going to have to make every possession count against Virginia on Saturday at Little John. South Carolina goes to Georgia on Saturday, try to avenge that loss to the Bulldogs a couple of weeks ago in Columbia. So really glad I went up to Knoxville. Good trip. A beautiful arena, packed house, a terrific performance by South Carolina, made it well worth the trip. And if the Gamecocks can beat Georgia, no doubt they'll be uh, in the top 25 uh, come next week. Might even shoot uh, well on up there with that record. But they still have to take care of business at Georgia. Um, they did move up 10 spots from where they were on Monday. They went up 10 spots in the net. From, I think it was 49 to 39. With their win last night, Clemson dropped in the net ranking. A couple of spots. So don't ask me to figure out the net ranking and why it is when you win, you lose with the net. I guess beating a bad team, a team with a poor record at home, somehow doesn't calculate into a positive move in the net ranking. But that's the way that metric works. So we'll talk about that. We'll hear from the coaches and also, dive in a little bit more into the NCAA and Tennessee and lawsuits flying at the NCAA left and right now from attorneys general and universities and anybody else that wants to sue the NCAA. Pat, did you sue the NCAA today? I didn't have a chance to file my lawsuit. I've been in contact with Jim Corbett about suing them just out of principle just to fall in line with everybody else. The end of the NCAA is near, as we've known it. I see no way at this time that they can resolve themselves of the issues that uh, are, are are hampering them as an organization because they just don't want to get in step with, the, with their membership. They're trying to rule on a membership that doesn't want to follow their rules anymore even though it's the membership that sets the rules this what makes this is what makes the NCAA situation such a headache and such a head scratcher is that the NCAA is just a building it's just an acronym Uh, it's made up of the people that it oversees the schools themselves the schools have people that represent them at the NCAA and they meet and they come up with the rules now you have NCAA staff that write up Everything and are supposed to enforce the rules, etc., etc. But it's the schools at the different divisions that come up with the rules. They set the calendars for recruiting, they set the rules about recruiting. But these same schools are now rebelling against their own rule book that the NCAA is trying to enforce in this new world order, and it just doesn't mesh. What they're trying to enforce doesn't fit with the way these schools are thinking now i mean let's face it the schools in the power four conferences the big boys the ones that want to play at the highest level with the highest stakes for the biggest tv money they're out there uh dishing out the dollars through the uh, nil concept and they don't want that to change now or they don't want the idea of being able to go out and recruit players with money to be interrupted by the NCAA. And the NCAA is trying to take Tennessee down for its recruitment of Nick Iamaleva out of California by saying something along the lines of illegal transportation, that they used a jet. You know, that takes me back to the 1980s when they made Homer Jordan and his mother fly to Chicago to defend his ownership of a car during the Clemson investigation. Remember that? What a circus that was. One of the things about Clemson's uh, investigation then was the car that Homer Jordan had and who paid for it. And, I mean, this is where the NCAA has has always been with this sort of silliness in in over-authorizing uh, itself on its membership and, and trying to mandate everything that they could do. And so now it involves uh, a plane transportation by a booster for this quarterback. Uh, but here's another thing about all this too, that, that kind of caught my attention. So the collective involved here is a group called the Spire group. Okay. And they're like the biggest in the country when it comes to collectives and their attorneys, a guy named Tom Mars and He's an Arkansas grad, number one in his Arkansas law class, if you ask him. So he's not a Tennessee guy per se. He didn't go to Tennessee. He went to University of Arkansas, Little Rock, and then he went to University of Arkansas Law School. But he is representing this group, and they put out a statement, once the NCAA put out their statement, saying that in no way, after they signed I'm, I am I a Leva to an a, reportedly an $8 million NIL deal that was not tied to University of Tennessee. They did not influence his decision to go to Tennessee, that they would have represented him to any college in the country that he wanted to go to. That was their statement, which on the surface you say, okay, that's all well and good. But when you dig a little, dig a little deeper, you find out that, of course, the Spire Group is located where? Knoxville, Tennessee. Operated by who? University of Tennessee. A part of which is what? The Major Vol Collective. So, you have to look at it with the question, if you've got all these connections, and the player in question ended up at Tennessee, how are you to expect people to believe that you didn't have something to do with him going to Tennessee. The perception, of course, is reality part comes into play here. And you might say, you know, unless you can prove, is there a paper trail? Unless you can prove that you had nothing to do with his decision to go to Tennessee, it certainly smells like a duck, quacks like a duck, probably is a duck. So my point in saying all this is another example of how in everything in college athletics what people say is not reality don't tell me my head is wet when i step outside and it's not raining don't tell me it's not raining just because you know there's there's rain dripping off my scalp don't don't look at me and tell me it's not raining well that's what they'll do they'll look at you and tell you know it's not raining even though there's you know you're you're soaking wet from being outside in the rain that's the kind of foolishness we've had with college athletics over all these years and how they've tried to spin things. And I see this as a major spin job by this company. Now, the NCAA also, of course, is being foolish in what it's trying to do because they're trying to come in after the fact and reel all this in, and they're not going to win. They're going to lose every step of the way in court, every step of the way. They're going to lose every case as it comes to this. So they better realize they've got to go – They've got to go in another direction if they still want to be a, a viable body in having some sort of governance over college athletics, which I see slipping uh, further and further away uh, from their grasp as, as time moves on here. So we got all that to talk about tonight, plus 7.05, a little hooping and hollering with Coach John Combs, and we'll have as a special guest tonight, Dorman Coach Thomas Ryan. A great time to have him on with us because, of course, he coached uh, P.J. Hall when he was at Dorman, and he coached Talon Cooper when he was at Dorman. So he's got his fingerprints on both the Tigers and the Gamecocks and their success that they're having this season. And we'll update recruiting for you as well. So we've got a lot on the table. Uh, Chris Bergen, is Chris connected? Chris Bergen is with us. I'm here. Hey, he's on the road. I've
2: been. Patiently listening to you,
1: yes, sir. He's on the road, traveled with the uh, Coastal Carolina team to um, Georgia's, no, James Madison. Correct. Yeah, yeah you went Hurston, north, not Virginia. south. You went north, not yeah, south. I went this north. time, north. Yeah, yeah. How was and your no trip? No,
2: unfortunately, it it was long, but it was fine. Yeah, I got a chance to uh, listen to a lot of basketball last night. Listen to the entire uh, Carolina-Tennessee game. I was all gamecocks. I don't see that game, not being impressed, them going into Knoxville as you saw in person, and really keeping, first off keeping Tennessee at bay, and then secondly keeping that crowd out of it. I mean, it it sounded like oftentimes you know Tennessee cut the lead right at the start in half. They were about ready to really get into that ball game, and the to their credit, slowed them back down and made sure that the was.
1: All right, let me, Hey, Chris, half. let me jump in on you because you're, you're chirping on us quite a bit. You might have the same problem I had a couple of minutes up in uh, Knoxville. If you want to reconnect real quick, kind of uh, right. chirping in and out there, we'll come back to you. But, um, yeah, that happens sometimes with the Internet, of course. When you're on the road trying to get connected, sometimes you don't get the best connection. So we'll have Chris back with us here uh, momentarily to hear more about uh, his thoughts on all of that. Our phone number 888-898-2525. triple eight eight nine eight two five two five. That is the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number. Here on Sports Talk, we'll take plenty of your phone calls. In fact, why don't we go ahead and um,
3: run off some phone calls here while we got them lined up? I don't even well, here. Reminder though, uh, yeah. Chris is going to reconnect with us in any second now. He's only with us until six thirty tonight. So if our callers wouldn't mind hanging out, we can get a little bit more out of Chris if we can while we got him. Is he back with us? He will be any second now. Well, we'll go ahead and jump on the call till he's connected.
1: I'm going to guess we've got um, Gamecock Larry up with us first tonight. Chris is actually back with us now. Chris, you there? I am here. All right, go just ahead. I didn't realize
2: I had disappeared, so I apologize. Does this sound better? Yeah, you're good. Excellent, excellent. So uh, what I was saying was I was just awfully impressed with USC's win last night. And, and Phil, I don't think – I don't think in terms of being ranked inside the top 25, unless Georgia beats them by 75 this weekend, I, I don't see any way you keep them out. I, I really don't. That's a top 25 team with a top 15 performance last night, especially on defense. And, you know, I, th- I think they, if, if anything, you go into Georgia wanting a little revenge from a game you just let slip away. Uh, they should have won that game earlier this season back at home. So they go in with that kind of mindset, and they played with the chip on their shoulder much of the season. I don't see why they wouldn't on Saturday. And do you suppose if Clemson had won by 40, they would not have dropped in the net rankings? Are we to the point now where, like in the old RPI, that style points are important? I thought winning basketball was all you were supposed to do, Uh, just like when the Gamecocks won the other night and dropped. Same thing here with the Tigers. Yeah, they didn't probably play their best 20 minutes in the second half, but they won a conference game. And that should be enough, not to penalize you for that. I don't care how bad Louisville is. So, are we getting the indication that you've got to blow teams out to not drop in the
1: net rankings? Now, it's it's hard to figure. Yeah, you would think a win's a win, but apparently, a win over a poor team at home doesn't do you any good in the net ranking. That's the only right. conclusion I can reach. I don't. Does does I don't know that point differential plays a role in the net ranking. I don't know if that's one of their pieces of the equation or not, but. You would think a win over a conference foe at home mm-hmm. would do you some good, but there's a lot of different numbers plugged into that the opponent, the opponent's opponents, what they're doing, what your opponents have been doing that all impacts on a daily basis what that net number is so did not help Clemson last night despite getting that win. it didn't help him as far as the net ranking is concerned, but they need to put One themselves in a position me. they need to put themselves in a position where they don't have to look at that number right come mid-March or the, you know, the selection Sunday. They need to get to where it doesn't matter. Uh, well, the only way it doesn't it matter is if you win the ACC tournament, but where they sure. are in a strong enough position where they don't have to sweat it. Don't get clobbered on the backboards. I was stunned
2: that Louisville dominated the backboards against a really good rebounding Clemson team. If, if Brad Brownells upset about anything, aside from lapses defensively in the second half last night, he's got to be just terribly frustrated in his team for not getting on the backboards. I mean, you can't – at home in particular, you can't have Louisville almost collect 50 rebounds on Mm. you. I mean, that's absurd. And so that was one of the stats that just jumped off the page at me because we don't normally see that with the Tigers, especially with Ian Shefflin and P.J. Hall and Chauncey Wiggins and those guys, their abilities to get on the backboards. I was stunned that Louisville just kicked them off the backboards to a basically two-to-one edge.
3: And with that, Chris, yeah, 48-29 to was the rebounds for Louisville versus Clemson. And then on the offensive glass, it was just I'm not sure I've ever seen numbers this lopsided. 21 offensive rebounds for Louisville to only four for Clemson. And then you also look at second chance points. 17 for Louisville, only two for Clemson. Bench points, 12 for Louisville, only five for Clemson. If you were looking at the stats at this game, you might have thought Louisville had won the game. And I think that's what is most troubling for Clemson fans out there and for this team is Brad Brownell has talked about the lapses in defense from his team having to rely more on the offense as opposed to the defense which is kind of backwards from how we're, I think, used to viewing Brad Brownell's squads. But seeing them get dominated underneath the basket, like you're saying, especially with a P.J. Hall, with an Ian Shefflin, who are both tremendous rebounders, mm-hmm. to see them, are they spending too much time outside? Are they getting worn down on the other end of the court? Or what is happening there? Is it basic fundamentals of just not boxing out? Or what is? is it a quick fix, or is this just the Tiger squad that we're going to see this year? First off, PJ Hall can't go o of, o of excuse me o of six
2: from three point range because first off, if he misses a few, PJ go inside. Stop shooting the outside shot if it's not falling for you. Go inside and, and work your magic down to the post because he's a terrific mid-range game and certainly on-the-block type guy can score. But, uh, you know, 9 of 20 for P.J. Hall to get 25 points, it was almost like what we saw last night, Phil, from Dalton Connect. I mean, how good a player Ooh, is that guy? Fantastic. 30, 31 points and what do take about 30 shots to get there? So I think Lamont Perris said going in, you know, it's volume shooting for him. We'll, we'll allow him to score. He got 24 shots last night to get his 31 points. I think the Gamecocks would have taken that before the game started. And then he ends up scoring the last 13 for them to keep them close. But I was awfully impressed with Connect, But he had to work for every one of his shots and to shoot as many as he did to score that much. Same thing with P.J. Hall. That's
1: way too many shots to get 25 points. Connect hit some incredible shots. He hit a three-pointer late in the game. He chased down a ball into the backcourt. A ball had gotten through, went back to the backcourt. He chased it down came across midcourt on a dribble, went to his left, leaned back to the right, and hit a three-pointer. I mean, it was an incredible individual effort, and it got them back close to the ball game. And I think it was then that uh, Cooper might have gone back down and hit a three on a feed from uh, Michi Johnson. Here's the other incredible thing about the Gamecocks, these last two wins. They're getting no scoring from Michi Johnson. He's doing other things, rebounding, and assists, but he's hit one shot in the last two games. So somehow they've managed to win these last two games without their leading scorer giving them a bunch of points. Breaking news out of the ACC, according to Pete Femmel, Boston College head coach Jeff Halfley is expected to become the new defensive coordinator of the Green Bay Packers. Wow. Halfley, of course, was at Ohio State before he went to B.C., He took B.C. to bowl eligibility in three of his four years. And according to the story, reasons for him making this move, the overall state of college football and the opportunity to work for, as Thimmel writes it, one of the most respected franchises in the NFL. So there you go. Uh, The state of college football. Yeah, I think we'll hear that a lot with a lot of coaches yep. that will be moving on. The state of college football in its current state, why not just go ahead and go to the NFL where you've got some structure, you've got some rules, you've got antitrust, uh, you've got contracts, uh, you, you got uh, you know who you're going to have unless you, you cut them or trade them, you know, that kind of deal. That's things that you don't have, the stability that you don't really have from a coaching standpoint in the, uh, in the college game right now. And, and will they ever – uh, get to that in the college game. You heard what I had to say. What would you think about um, what's going on with, with Tennessee and these lawsuits now? Well, first off,
2: uh, attorneys generals need to find different things to do. I mean, it's it's basically, obviously, these guys in the attorney general in Tennessee, if I'm not mistaken, they are selected by the Supreme Court. So let's face, the state Supreme Court. So let's face it, he's trying to score some points up in you know the uh, the state capitol to try and uh, maintain his job. That's all this is. It's it's pandering to voters in your state. Uh, but in terms of that. Take that aside. What you said about the NCAA and not being able to enforce its rules, I totally get. But what are they supposed to do if they can't enforce their rules? They just need to go away as a governing body. And and college football needs to find somebody else to run the show. Right? Well, I think we're
1: headed to that. I I think think right now you're headed to the power of four schools, breaking off and forming their own association and writing their own rules and handling their own business. I see no other way around it at this particular time. Are you headed off? Yes, I am. Enjoy the brief visit, guys. Sorry, got to go to dinner. Enjoy your night. We'll be back. All right, let's get to your phone calls. 888 898 2525. South Carolina Education Lottery Lucky Number to get you into Sports Talk. On this uh, Wednesday night edition, glad you're with us. Let's go to Vern in Bishopville leading us off tonight. Vern, welcome into Sports Talk. How are you, sir? I'm doing good, sir. I just want to call for a
4: minute or two and just say, uh, when the Carolina Clifford basketball team meet again this uh, season right here? You know?
1: They don't. They don't? No, they only play once. They play once a year. Oh, yeah, I know that part, but uh, I thought
4: maybe they were meeting some kind of playoff or tournament or something.
1: Well, I mean, unless they cross paths in the NCAA tournament or the
3: NIT. Yeah. Byrne might be referring to yesterday, there was a bracketology that came out that actually had the two teams in the same, the same region. Oh, okay. I don't know if right. they would necessarily play each other right out of the gate, but they could conceivably play mm-hmm. at right. some point in that region. They certainly could. All
4: right, that's what I'm speaking of.
1: Yeah, but we but, don't uh, know we don't know anything about that now. You won't know until selection Sunday in March.
4: Oh yeah. Well well, you you think if they meet again it would be a nice game to watch.
1: Well, it'd be huge if they met again in the NCAA tournament. I mean that would be as uh you know so much better than a regular season matchup, so much riding mm-hmm. on it, so chances of that yeah. happening I would say are slim. Probably. But it but it could happen.
4: Yeah, yeah, you know, and stuff like that. I wouldn't really want to see the Lamar Paris learn anything from that first game. That's what I want to see and stuff. But I know it may not happen, but, you know, look like he's coming along pretty good. You know, the funny thing when you see uh, uh D.J. Matt, when he's trying to score, I, you know, I laugh myself silly, you know. that I haven't seen anything like that since Charles Barkley. Mm,
1: <laughs> the way he backed him down into the paint, you mean? <laughs> Yeah, butt like
4: a like a calf.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
4: Hey,
1: listen, that was great identification by Paris to see that matchup and to get the ball to his big and let him work inside. And, yeah, it worked time and again for the Gamecocks.
4: But, you know, who he reminds me of, you know, when he does things like that, I, I know I just said Bartley, but, uh, you know, he reminds me of a woman, you know, when he plays basketball. But, you know, he he's heavy. you know, he can't jump. So, you know, it's a good thing. But anyway hmm. – Y'all be blessed, you know, I just want to pass that on to you. When I saw that thing about Carolina and Clemson, you know, maybe they were to meet again.
1: Yeah. But anyway,
4: I'm I'm praying, you know, I, I hope I see them again. I would like to see Big past learn anything, but you never know. Well, the
1: yeah, last time up, it happened like that, that two state teams met in the NCAA tournament, I think right. was that game against uh, Furman in South Carolina up in Philadelphia in 75, I think it was. And Furman was won that like game. That. Yeah.
4: But anyway, you know, you never know, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't wish both of them to the playoff or uh, tournament or anything. You know, I wish both of them make it.
1: Now, we you could know, have had people. it last year, right? Wasn't it set up in the brackets where Furman and Charleston were going to meet?
5: Something uh, like that. Uh, at at that a certain us, right. point,
1: yep. Yeah, but it didn't it didn't get that far for them. But I think we could have had that last year. I think maybe it might have been Sweet 16. Would they have been in the Sweet 16? Because they both yeah. won. They both won their first-round games, right? So I'm thinking yeah. it might have been the Sweet 16 that they were set up to meet had they gotten that far.
4: Yeah, because I ain't going to talk no pressure about Clemson. You know, last night they won that should have been. The, you know, when you win, no matter how you've done it, as long as you win. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know why, uh, uh, you know, dropping them down like that. You know, it, I, it's amazing how much disrespect both teams get. But anyway, y'all be blessed with everything. You know, I don't want to run that by you Look, you know, I saw that bracket thing. You know, maybe I thought you had new more than I know. So, you know, anyway, y'all take care of left. And
3: Thank Vern, you, that was uh in that in that bracketology, Clemson was a sixth seed in the east and South Carolina an eighth seed. So they would not have met until the Elite Eight, but still had a shot. And then going back to last year, it was actually going to be in the round of thirty two. Uh College of Charleston lost their opening round game to San Diego State. Well, Furman that's right, yeah. Furman upset Virginia. They would have met in the second round, but instead Furman played uh San Diego State.
1: That's right. San Diego State went under the final four, didn't they?
3: they did they yeah. had they had
1: quite a quite a squad yeah all right thanks for the call we continue Triple eight eight nine eight two five two five. as we continue want to remind you that if you haven't made plans for your summer vacation if you haven't gotten that uh, house or condo squared away you need to do so today and give Jimmy Smith a call at James Smith Real Estate at 843-237-4246 online at pauliesvacationrentals.com. Spring and summer, right around the corner. So if you want to be able to have the the pick of the litter, so to speak, and get what you really want, you better act soon. 843-237-4246 for your perfect beach getaway through James Smith Real Estate and our buddy Jimmy Smith. We've got a Hank in Columbia with us next. Hank, welcome in to Sports Talk. How are you?
6: I'm doing fine corn. Yes, sir. And, uh, um, you know, one thing I want to say about last night's game and a- and actually the last couple of games going back to Kentucky, um, you know, of course, uh, our defense, and as I said earlier in the preseason, was going to keep us in a lot of games. Cause you know, you saw it even in the, in the, uh, preseason conference schedule. When, like when they went to, um, Virginia, and some of them, they, they were playing defense and they were getting tighter. Um, but what Carolina does offensively also has helped them a lot in this team because the pace that they established offensively, I don't know if you could see it from in the arena last night, but you saw this if you went back and watched the Kentucky game and you saw it last night. Carolina, you know, had 15, it was either 15 or 16 assists last night.
5: Mm-hmm.
6: And on offense, the pace that they were playing offense, is not like a, you know, hold it and then the last five seconds, kind of start some action, they kind of start action and run action for about 25 seconds or so where they're passing, moving the ball, cutting to get to the best shot. And it forces teams like Kentucky last week and Tennessee last night to have to guard for 30 seconds of possession. And so oftentimes Carolina was getting, and I think Rick Barnes alluded to it, by the time they were moving the ball so much, they would get a wide open three where normally Rick Barnes teams can hold teams down from getting those shots. But it also seemed to wear out their big man because in the second the third quarter in the not third quarter, but the second half, latter part of the second half, you could see it was almost like Tennessee was laboring from the energy they had to ex- exert guarding Carolina on offense. And that's you know, that's that's kinda I I think that's gonna is becoming big because they, they don't just stand there on offense. They kind of move that ball around and move it around, and you gotta you got to get through all those actions before they take a shot.
1: You're exactly right. You're exactly right. Plus, Tennessee got into some early foul trouble in the second half. There was one 24-second period there where they were signaled for four fouls in 24 seconds. I mean, it, it led to fans throwing things on the court, and Rick Barnes was beside himself there for a little bit. So – they were really getting frustrated with what South Carolina was doing offensively the way – you're right. They run a lot of action. They use a lot of clock. That's the way they have to play. And I think that's the way – not necessarily the way they have to play. I think that's the way Lamont Paris wants to play. He wants to play grinded-out basketball, use up the clock, play at a slower pace, and then make you really earn it on the offensive side with, against his defense. I think that's exactly how he's going to continue to build his program.
6: Well, Corn, if you remember back to Wisconsin when they had Kaminsky and those, when they got, I think it was either to the Final Four or the Elite Eight, that was the thing that every time they played a team that was like the Kentuckys or whoever had all this talent, they would run all that offense kind of like Tim Whipple used to do back in the day, mm-hmm. and then they'd end up getting a layup or a three because the, the, the teams just weren't disciplined enough to play defense like that. For thirty seconds, they were used to people coming down, jacking up a shot, using the athleticism and grabbing it. And Wisconsin frustrated a lot of those teams to the final four. You know, that's how Irmo was back in the day with Whipple. Before the shot clock, remember Whipple would run all those backdoor cuts. Yeah, <laughs> and it would look like every play, every time they scored in Irmo back in the Mackey days, it was always a layup.
1: <laughs> so that's good basketball. That out, yeah. That's knowing your <laughs> hang out there, yeah. That's knowing your personnel and coaching to your personnel, and it's it's working terrifically for South Carolina right now. And they've proven that they can, they can handle bigger, bigger teams. Tennessee was bigger last night across the board. Uh, as was pointed out earlier, the Gamecocks did a great job on the backboards. They did a good job on Adu and didn't let him get a bunch of offensive rebounds and second-chance points. And they just did a terrific job in, in practically every aspect of the game. Kept the turnovers down. Again, the ball moved. That's one thing that really impresses me about their offense. The ball doesn't stick. The ball moves. They had 20 assists against Missouri. They had 20 assists against Kentucky. They had 15 assists on 19 baskets last night. I mean, you just can't ask for anything better than that. Balanced scoring. One thing Paris likes, I think, is that you can't just zero in on one guy. That's why he pointed out when asked about it, Michi Johnson not scoring, no big deal. Others step up. Michi Johnson delivers in other ways, rebounding and assists. He had, I think, six assists last night, so it's he and and that's a good thing. Even though he he's not making his shot, he was like one for nine last night. He's not letting that affect the rest of his game because the rest of his game is important as well. All right, thank you very much. Let's go to a uh, Gamecock, Larry, with us next in Swansea, who is um, undefeated. Since going back and predicting the Gamecocks were going to beat uh, Kentucky and the women were going to beat LSU, he's, he's on quite the roll. You're butter. You're butter, Gamecock Larry. You're on a roll.
7: Yes, sir. Uh, I just want to say I just had my old buddy, burn from Mr. Bill. We, he said we had the worst coaching staff in SEC. Well, two of those coaches got a head coaching job. This off season, now we in a world are hurt next year. But now, let me tell you, Doctor Macon, my CEO of my research Dimco Research Committee mm. called me last night, mm-hmm. and he was worried. I said, "Don't worry, we gonna win this game." And he was worried. Boy, he you know, "Well, well, we might get run out." I said, "Ah, right, we gonna." I said, we're going to win it by at least 10. But uh, then, uh, you know, 63 and 5. 2022, Tennessee came in here number five ranked in football. And we laid 63 on them. 2024, we go to this right Tennessee in basketball. And we laid 6-3 on them. Mm. but I'm telling you, we 6-3 to three and 5, more we love them numbers. And if we meet Tennessee somewhere in the playoffs, we going to get 6-3 or more. Mm. But another thing, I told them last night, I said, give that. They call that. I can't call his name. The guy that got 30-something points. I said, go ahead and give him his 30, 35 points, but hold the balance of the rest of the team to 30 points, and we'll win this game. And so that's what we done. We let him get his points. Mm-hmm. We could have started from getting more. We could have started him if we really wanted to. But we let him get his points, but what did have the, the balance of the team get? They didn't even get
1: 30. No, I tell so you, he was the he was their main guy and they actually held him in check for a good part of the middle part of the game. He got red hot in the last 5 or 6 minutes. I mean, he just he took over. I think he scored their last 13 points. So, he was sitting That's on like right. 17, 18 points. He finished with 31. But I think he scored their last 13 with some incredible shots. I got to believe the pros at 6-6 and a guard who can handle the ball. He had seven rebounds last night. i got to believe the pros uh, like him a lot. But after him, Vascovi had ten, but then nobody else had more than six. And I tell you who's really struggling is Josiah Jordan James. Um, he only took three shots last night. He only scored two points, and he is really – now, he did have seven rebounds for him, but they expect more offensively out of him for sure – and since SEC play began, that's what he's been averaging, two points per game in SEC games. They gotta get more from him.
7: That's all right. We 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 I told him he got his thirty two, and I guess the rest of the team got about twenty eight or twenty nine.
1: Well if he had thirty one, that means the rest got twenty eight. So he outscored his uh his teammates. Thirty one to twenty eight. Right.
7: Mm-hmm. That's the former for winning basketball. You got that Game right,
1: mm-hmm. Go Gamecock! All right, Cubs. Larry. 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 Talk to Larry. You later. undefeated Larry. <laughs> Larry is undefeated and pretty much undefeated in January, isn't he? Has he miscalled anything in January? I don't know that he's missed. He's been he has been red red hot. Yeah, yeah. All right. Phone number triple eight eight nine eight two five two five. South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number. We've cleared out the first wave. The first wave of calls, they're gone. So that means lines are open for wave number two. So go ahead and grab a phone line. Uh, USC football coach Shane Beamer will formally introduce his new associate head coach, special teams coordinator Joe DiCamillis at a press conference on Friday morning at 1045. We'll have that covered for you on our website, sportstalksc.com. Be right back after the break.
3: Hi, yes, Uh, I'll have the club sandwich and house salad. You got it, sweetie. I'll throw in a pair of designer sunglasses as well. Um, just lunch, thanks. How about a week at my
8: boss's oceanfront villa?
0: What? When you join the South Carolina Education Lottery's Players Club, you get way more than you expect. More chances, more wins, and more surprises.
8: Today's special, a trip to low Earth orbit in a private spaceship.
9: Join the Players Club
1: at SEeducationLottery.com because more happens here.
5: When trouble comes like the accidents do We all get sick and the bills pile too There's only one number that can help see you through And if you're healthy, here's what you should do Call 605-7905 That's the number that you need to know 605-7905 $0 $0 deductible What's a deductible you say That's the price you have to pay Before the insurance will say We'll help you They keep that number out of reach Because they know that you won't reach That number because they know You're healthy 605 $0 deductible 605-7905 Seven to seven is the area code
0: Major Billy Downer here from the Department of Natural Resources, and DNR is excited to announce the implementation of Go Outdoors SC, a new online licensing and boat titling system that you can access right from your phone. Through this new system, customers can purchase their hunting and fishing licenses, renew their boats, apply for lottery hunt opportunities, and complete electronic harvest reporting requirements. For more information, visit Go Outdoors SC at your local app store.
1: All right, coming up after the top of the hour break, a little hooping and hollering. Coach John Combs. We'll hear from the Mont Paris. We'll hear from uh, Brad Brownell. We'll have some recruiting for you as well. Basketball ongoing as we speak. Georgia, the Gamecocks, will be at Stegeman. Stegeman or Stegman? I think they say Stegeman Coliseum in Athens. Seventeen to four on Alabama. Almost ten minutes in. Wow. 17 to 4. So if Georgia holds on, wins that game, first of all, that helps us South Carolina in that that'll give Alabama a second loss. But that's just going to make Georgia that much more prepared, hungry, and waiting on the Gamecock Saturday. Notre Dame, Virginia later tonight. Wake Forest, Pittsburgh. And in the state of South Carolina tonight, you've got Furman at the Citadel, Wofford at Sanford, Upstate at Presbyterian, Charleston Southern at Radford, okay. Back to the phones. 888-898-2525. The number. Ron. Nope. Andy, in Columbia. Andy, welcome in to Sports Talk. How are you?
10: Hello, Mister Corn. Hello, Pat. I'm doing well. I hope y'all are doing well. Yes, sir. Hope you made it back from the mountains all right, and hmm. didn't get too many. I, I tickets gotta to say,
1: yourself on the road. There were some hairy moments in the rain going through the Smokies uh, through those turns left and right with trucks parked on the side of the road and visibility down to about 200 feet. But I made it. Well, at least you didn't drop 200 feet off the road. That's so what I be... was... <laughs> Two things I was looking for the edge of the road and deer. That's all I was looking at. i was looking for deer to run out in front of me and I was looking for the cliff. And as long as I avoided that, I was okay.
10: Yeah, it's a rough drive. I used to live in Knoxville in like '85. Yeah, it's never an easy drive because
1: they're never ever going to complete construction through there. It just seems like if one part gets finished, then they're tearing up something else.
10: They're always doing something with those tunnel things too. that they have? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Reason of the call number one. Great game last night. You know, um, you know, I had my doubts about Lamont Paris and was more of a BJ Mackey person, but. I'll tell you Lamont is winning me over not just with his play but with his just his attitude he just seems like a very very his head's on a good place and he just seems like someone that we that we that that represents the university in a good way mm-hmm. and I really enjoy that from him My other question is this and it's regarding football isn't the next signing period coming coming up in a week or so? And yeah, if, a week from today is, is, a, is another signing day. Is there anybody that we're actually looking at that's going to be a late sign? You know, I say late now, yeah. but uh, signees for I don't really care about Clemson. I'm mm-hmm. more talking about South Carolina, of course.
1: Yeah, I'm not aware of anybody right now that South Carolina might add. Now, who knows? They might have somebody tucked away that they're going to spring out there uh, next Wednesday. But I'm not aware of anybody that is on the verge of uh, being a late signee because of who they signed early and then all the transfers they took. I mean, you do have to be worried at some point in time about the 85 scholarship uh, limit that does still exist. And with what they signed in December and then all the transfers that they have taken, I've got them with 34 newcomers coming in. Now, I know they lost about 21 in the transfer portal, John. Then they had others, of course, leave because of expiration of uh, eligibility. But that's already 34 new ones coming in that will be counted. Yeah, but are
10: those all scholarship or a few
1: of them? No, those are all scholarship. Those are nothing but scholarship. Mm -hmm. Plus, I know they have a few preferred walk-ons coming in, too. This is correct. I, I don't put those on this list for that very reason.
10: Yeah. I just have a feeling that we're not gonna be at eighty five and those preferred walk ons will fill the gap at the when we get to that point. Possible.
1: Or maybe somebody already on the squad's gonna earn a scholarship.
10: Yeah. So what are we? Two weeks from Friday from um open for first pitch for South Carolina? Is that right? Is it gonna be a weekend start or are they gonna start during the week?
1: No, it's Friday, but it's one week from Friday's. This Friday is no. it one week. No, wait a minute! It's two weeks. Two weeks from Friday. Two Let me weeks. get my dates here. Uh, February the eighteenth, February sixteenth, February sixteenth. Yeah. So that so would two be. Weeks from Friday. Yeah, it'd be two weeks from Friday. Yeah. And
10: and who would who are they playing? Well, you got the schedule in front
1: of you. Uh, do I have the schedule in front of me? Yeah. <laughs> Give me a second. I'll well, look it up. You know I want to say is what? it? Uh, well, I'm not going to guess. I'm going to bring up the schedule here real quick. And see who we got for the Gamecocks. Can we're going to open is, up against Miami of Ohio. Miami of okay, Ohio, the Redhawks.
10: And we are betting that you said that we're going to host the Super. Correct. That's what our bet is so far.
1: I don't think I stuttered when I said that.
10: Okay, I just want to make sure yeah. I didn't remember if it was a regional or Super.
1: No, we'll go. Oh, we're awesome. going to raise the ante. We're going to raise the ante to Super level. That's the bet. Super level. All right. Thank you, Andy top of the hour break. Back with more Sports Talk. Don't go away.
0: Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number 888-898-2525 That's 888-898-2525 Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk On the Sports Talk Media Network.
1: All right, it's Wednesday night. It's basketball season. Basketball is red, red hot in the Palmetto State right now with a couple of teams really standing out. South Carolina Clemson on the men's side having uh, great years to this point, trying to put themselves in position to not have to worry about making the NCAA tournament. You want to be there when you go to your conference tournament, kind of knowing that you're in the big dance. They still have some work to do. Of course, the USC women, they're thinking they're thinking ring once again, the way things are going for them. They go to Auburn tomorrow night, then back home for Ole Miss on Sunday afternoon. So things are going great there. College of Charleston has a big one at home tomorrow night against Wilmington, seeking to – Avenge a loss at Wilmington a couple of weeks ago, so they're having a they're having a pretty good year. So we got some good basketball around the state, and of course, high school basketball red hot as well. As we work our way through region play, heading towards the beginning of the state tournament here in just a few weeks. So it's time for some hooping and hollering here on Sports Talk with Coach John Combs, Athletics Director, Spring Valley High School, former head basketball state. And we have a special guest tonight. Let's welcome in Coach Combs to get things rolling tonight. Coach, good evening. How are you? I'm outstanding. Good evening to everybody. Good to have you with us. What's been happening around the state high school-wise since last week? Anything uh, to uh, really surprise you or anything uh, worth uh, noting in your mind since the last time we talked?
8: Well, no, nothing nothing has surprised me. I mean, like I said, we're we're now at the point where we're winding down the season. Most teams now only have about three to four games left in region play before we we start the playoffs coming up here in February. But there's a lot of great matchups going on. And, man, it's great high school basketball and great college basketball going on right now in South Carolina.
1: Well, you put out your rankings uh, yesterday. Boys, you've got Lexington number one. Followed by Somerville, St. James, Burns, and Dorman. And in 5A Girls, it's Sumter, Malden, Rock Hill, Dutch Fork, J.L. Mann. 4A Boys, top 10, Westwood, Ridgeview, Catawba Ridge, Wilson, Riverside. That's your 5. The Girls, South Point, North Augusta, Bluffton, Westside, Pickens. 3A Boys, top 5, Crestwood, Darlington, Wren, O.W., and Powdersville. 3A Girls, Camden, Wren, Blue Ridge, Lower Richland, and OW. 2A Boys, Gray Collegiate, Oceanside Collegiate, Andrew Jackson, Hampton County, and Landrum. On the girls' side, Bishop England, Andrew Jackson, Gray Collegiate, Blacksburg, and Silver Bluff. And for the 1A teams, top five in boys, Louisville, Christchurch, Denmark, Oler, McCormick, and North. And for the girls, Military Magnet, Denmark, Oler, Carver's Bay, Lakeview, and Allendale, Fairfax pretty much the team's coach that have been amongst the best in the state from the start are still pretty much there have you seen any anybody kind of move up into that top five that maybe they weren't there at the top of the at the beginning of the season
4: well
8: like I said st James has made a um... You know, they're up there in the top five and 5A boys, and they have not been there before in a long time. But we're now in that time of the year where there's not a whole lot of movement that goes on. You see a lot of the same people this last couple of weeks because there's and basketball is such an interesting sport because early on you may have some football players that you get accustomed to your team, mm-hmm. Some guys coming and out playing the different preseason events. So now it's a pretty steady group as we're winding down these last couple of weeks of the season.
1: Yeah, you might start the season with some football players and then maybe uh, they got to go play one of the all-star games somewhere in the state or nationally. You might lose them for a couple of weeks.
8: Oh, I, absolutely. That becomes a, a big challenge. I mean, I've, I've, I've lost players in North-South Shrine game, uh, Shrine Bowl, and, you know, you, uh, official visits. Um, football team does very well. I mean, it, it can be a challenge, and, you know, you get guys coming together and feeling each other out. It sometimes takes a long time to gel.
1: Speaking of All-Star games, uh, when do the rosters come out for the uh, Carolina's All-Star Classic between North and South Carolina and also for the uh, North-South All-Star Games here in our state?
8: Well, I would expect the the Carolinas Classic roster to come out in the next week or two. Um, It's going to happen real soon. Um, The North-South All-Star Game rosters are usually picked, they'll probably be picked on February 10th or 11th, somewhere right around there, and we'll try to get those announced the week after that. So keep fingers crossed we're able to uh, announce those Carolinas Classic rosters real soon and a lot of a lot of good talent in our state it ought to be a good year for basketball at that
1: going to be in wilmington the game again this year going to be in wilmington yep the carolinas classic will be and will be in wilmington this year
8: um, at hoggard high school where it's been the past few years they do a great job with the game there's a lot of good interest in the area and fortunately the the boys have won the last two to three years um south carolina boys have so Mm -hmm. we're We've got a lot of pressure on our next group to continue that tradition.
1: All right. And we've got a special guest standing by uh, to visit with us. I guess we could call him High School Basketball Coaching Royalty in South Carolina. With all those rings and all those trophies, let's welcome in Coach Thomas Ryan from Dorman High School here to Sports Talk, a little hooping and hollering on this Wednesday night. Coach Ryan, how
9: are you? Doing great. Good evening, guys. Hope y'all are doing well.
1: We are doing terrific. Coach Combs, he's the MC of this event. Coach, take it away.
8: Well, Coach Ryan, first of all, it's great to have you here. Um, you know, Phil said it well, you are coaching royalty now in South Carolina. You've been doing this for a long time. You know, I think you've got five state championships. You're getting, and that's five since 2017, so it's great to have you on. I want, let's start off right from the get-go. Start with a little college basketball. How is it, you know, you coach P.J. Hall at Clemson and Talon Cooper at South Carolina and, and Noah Clowney, which some people may have not thinking about is now in the NBA. How is, that, uh, how is that seeing all these guys play? I mean, when you go home now, you've got some options of who to watch on TV, and how, how's that been for you?
9: Well, i say it's a lot of fun. I've been blessed in a lot of ways. The Lord has really uh, given me some awesome kids to coach, and, and they represent our program great. I mean, I tell you what it does do when I get home at night and the kids go to bed and, and Susie goes to bed, I can either check – I need to watch Dorman basketball, but I find myself watching Clemson, South Carolina, Brooklyn Mets, G League, Appalachian State, and or USC Upstate. And so it's fun. I wouldn't trade it for the world, but it's been awesome to see these guys have great seasons.
8: Well, I, I know there's I, – I spend this whole segment just talking about all the players you have in college and some playing professionally now – you know, P.J. Hall coming out of, of your program, you know, I think a lot of people looked at him and thought he was a, he was a high major player um, and, you know, deservingly so. Now, Talon Cooper, I, I, I've got to admit, I will, I'll be the first to admit, when he was coming out of dormant, I thought he was a really good player. But I would be lying if I told you I knew he was a high major player at that, uh, you know, was going to be. Did you see that coming out of high school, or was it just good for him to go to Moorhead State right out of high school and develop and work his way to to Minnesota and now become a, a, a highly impactful SEC player?
9: No, it's def- it's been a progress. I mean, you're right about PJ. PJ from the get go, everybody that's a power five from from the start. Talon uh, six four. You know, the thing about Talon that people don't realize, I've never and been fortunate to have a lot. He is a coach on the floor. He knows the game as good as anybody, okay? And so when you find a kid like that that has the work ethic that he does, you see him really grow in his game. You know, he went to some different high schools. Um, in high school, he just came to us his senior year, won a state championship with, with P.J. Jr. and Miles Tate Jr. Uh, Miles initially signed with Butler. Um, but, man, you could just see then that Talon was special. And Moorhead ended up being a perfect situation for for him to then grow and have such a good year last year in the Big East. I mean, the, you, you won't find many finer than, than Talon. I mean, it's kind of neat. This morning, wake up, with one of the first texts I had was from Kerry Rich at 7 o'clock <laughs> saying, I love Talon Cooper. And then, you know, at 10 o'clock, Talon texted me what time is practice today. And Talon was practice today with our guys. And he's he been a coach out there. At practice today. I mean he that came was that up. Was neat. He came me. up to your oh, school
1: yeah. to practice with your guys or to watch your guys practice?
9: No, no, he didn't practice with right, our guys. Right. He was a coach on the floor. Right. With me. Yeah. I, no, I'm not gonna twist ankle. My parents might I mean <laughs> uh, I might be in big trouble. Um but you know, he had they had an off day after a big win in the tribal and Talon came home to have, you know, dinner with his family, but came to practice. And, you know, you love to see that as a coach and just talk to him about the game and uh, you know, obviously he's on cloud nine right now, he's really confident. Um, just, just playing, you know, out of his mind right now, and, and he, he deserves every bit of it with his hard work, and you know he loves this team, he loves Coach Paris, and you know they're doing something special right now. I mean, he told me at practice, he said, "Coach, I've got Georgia tonight over Alabama," and I'm sitting here watching it in my living room, and Georgia's got a 13 point lead. South Carolina may be tied for first place in the SEC when he wakes up in the morning. So, what an exciting time for him! But he, he's playing just outstanding, and. You know, for South Carolina, gosh, Michi Johnson, I think, has won for his last 17, and they're still winning big games, and that's not going to continue uh, with him and Mac and the transfer from Vanderbilt. I mean, this is a really good South Carolina team, but I do think it starts and stops with Talon and him running the offense, and, you know, he doesn't just score. You know, early in the season, he kind of facilitated, and just in these last four or five games, he's been a lot more aggressive offensively, and I really think it's helped him, and uh, South Carolina's going to – you better watch out for them. They're playing really good basketball and very confident.
8: Yeah, there's certainly no doubt about it. What has what uh, Talon said about Coach Paris and, you know, his coaching style, what he's learned from him and what's helped him and them and their team have a, a successful season so far?
9: It, it, it's funny you ask that. In the office today we're sitting there and I said, tell me about Coach Paris. Like, hey, what – you know, and his first words were I love how he – if there's something I see and I go say, hey, Coach, I think this is what we've got to look at, he immediately is like Talon's a coach on the floor, and we immediately go look at it, you know, whether it's offense, especially offensively. And, you know, I think that just shows that Coach Paris is a player's coach, values his kid's opinion, especially those especially those like Talon, that's like having a coach on the floor. So, um, you know, you could tell there's a you know there's a special connection between those two right now, and obviously when a coach and a point guard are in lockstep, then you know you're gonna have a good basketball team.
8: Yeah, well, coach, I will certainly say I, I you and your influence on Talon and PJ Hall, Noah Clowney, and some of the lot of the other players. You and your staff. I mean, I, I would say what's underrated is the fact that you know Talan came from a a highly successful high school program. PJ came from a highly successful um, high school program there at Dorman, and the winning ways I think have translated into those programs. I think that's a that's a big big part of that. Tell us a little bit about hey, your I, team I, that I you got now.
9: Real quick. Well, let me just talk okay. on that with PJ. You know, I've talked a lot about Talon right there, but mm-hmm. you know what PJ's done is the face of Clemson programs, pretty special. Um, and you know, I, I get to get the best of both worlds, seeing Clemson and South Carolina basketball, but. You know the way PJ has carried himself, led that program, and I got to be honest, I'm biased. Man, that that guy's not getting the calls like some of the superstars right now. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'll come on now, Cameron, but uh,
1: Brad Brownell you know, on line one for you, Coach Ryan. Brad Brownell on line one.
9: <laughs> Absolutely. So, but PJ, good gracious, the year he's had and led this team, and you know, hey, I think Clemson. You know, I talked about South Carolina being really good and watch out for them, but I I feel the same way about Clemson. Clemson may be going through a little more of a tougher little stretch here these last four or five games, but man, they're dangerous, and they were playing so good in early December, and you know, um, I, I'm just proud of what I talk to P.J. each week. You can just tell that P.J. has the right mindset. You know, hey, had not played as well the last three or four games, and to him personally, he's played really well. Um, you know, maybe not from the three-ball last night. I got home and watched his game, and I'm like, gosh, P.J. couldn't knock down anything from the outside, but 25 points leading his team and just the face of the program, just really proud of him in state too. Um, both of those guys couldn't be prouder of.
8: Well, talk a little bit about your team that you have now. And I know you're in a tough region battling. You know, tell us a little bit about what you got this season.
9: Well, we're 17-6 and six right now, um, Battling for second place, we have a big game. We go to Burns uh, Friday night, and and, and Burns is kind of – they're the team to beat in our league, first place, undefeated. Uh, Coach Lane Fowler does a great job with them. And so, uh, you know, beat us pretty handily at our place. First time, you know, we had lost to a Spartanburg County team in over eight years. So that was kind of a – that was a, a gut punch for our guys. Um, and so – Um, And they put it to us. So we've got a chance to go back to their place and, you know, get back in the mix. But right now we're on the outside looking in. It's still at 17-6. and We feel like, you know, we're really solid. Anything can happen. But, you know, uh, big three games for us with with Burns, Gaffney, and Spartanburg to end the regular season uh, this next week and a half. So we're excited and just want to position ourselves the best we can for the playoffs. And we need to be playing, you know, our best basketball here uh, right now.
8: Well, Coach Ryan is also the head coach of the Carolina's Classic team for South Carolina. And, Coach, I know you're trying to finalize your roster right now. you coaching staff. What? Uh, how's that process been? Trying to pick players and try to pick the best players from South Carolina this year.
9: We're honored to, to be a coach in that game. I was an assistant coach in it uh, two years ago, and you know to be able to try to pin pinpoint those top ten players and go spend a few days with them and play against a, a great North Carolina team is obviously a lot of fun and, you know, one of your biggest honors in, in coaching. And, you know, when I look at this roster and we've, we've pretty much finalized it, and I don't think it will be announced for a week or two, um, but, you know, it, it's a really good team. and I mean, some really good players. And South Carolina continues to turn out uh, guys that will play at Division one level. And, you know, I, every year I'm amazed. This is my 24th year. I'm amazed at South Carolina high school basketball, where it's got from the days of B.J. Mackey and myself graduating together uh, to where it is now. Man, I'm telling you, there's a lot more players that are Division One worthy in South Carolina than we've ever had over the last decade. And, you know, you know, even last night, I got you watching Tennessee, Josiah James, Talon reminded me today, he's like, Coach, you realize Josiah had 36 against us at Lexman. we won in overtime, but... You know, we were able to shut him down. And then Justin Ganey played at USC Upstate last year. You know, they were able to shut him out. But it's just amazing how many South Carolina Thai kids are making major impact in, you know, high school basketball, college basketball, and in the NBA. Well,
1: let me throw this at the two of you. Do you know who's leading the nation in scoring in D1 college basketball?
8: (laughs) I actually actually don't. Shut up. Okay. Is Tommy Bruner correct?
1: Tommy Bruner out of uh, Columbia's oh, wow. a Great Collegiate. He's yeah. at the University of Denver, and he's averaging over 26 points per game. He's averaging more than three points per game, more than Zach Eadie from Purdue. So if my memory is right, this if this holds up and he leads the nation in scoring, I think he would be at least the third from our state to lead the nation in scoring, right? Didn't Frank Selvey? Back in the day, lead the nation in scoring. And, of course, we know Zam Frederick did at South Carolina. I think the year Frank Selvy scored his 100, was he not the leading scorer in the nation? I have to look that up. I'm just kind of guessing there about Frank Selvy. At least two. He'd be at least well, two. two, maybe three.
9: Well, that's Absolutely. a great trivia I mean, question, Bruner. I can tell you, would win a lot of money on that one. <laughs> <That's>
1: <laughs> well, I was shocked myself when I saw the note somewhere. I, I ran across that, and I, I saw the name. I said, wait a minute, I know that name and it's Tommy Bruner, whose whose sister played at South Carolina and then he started out at upstate i believe and then transferred to Denver well and good i think that's
9: him. the one thing great
8: high, the, he was i think that's the one good thing about the transfer portal it gets a lot gets bashed a lot but you get people to get to go somewhere that they can have a higher impact and have a different impact and for south carolina's benefit that certainly helped out to get a transfer like a Talon Cooper there and these other players. So that part's been really good.
1: And and to set the record straight, Frank Selvey twice led the nation in scoring, (laughs) including 41.7 points per game in 53-54. Coach Ryan, how would you have defended Frank Selvey?
9: (laughs) I think I've got no chance what I'm hearing. (laughs) There's no special defense for that.
1: Yeah, (laughs) ain't no doubt. Well, Coach, talk, just
8: give us briefly your opinion on South Carolina high school basketball needing a shot clock. What is your thoughts on that?
9: Well, I'm very pro the shot clock. I think it adds strategy, excitement. Um, I, I think it's how the kids learn to play. They're not to play at the next level with it at really any other level than high school. I, you know, I think it's coming. Uh, I think it's been a process. You know, I know our state's in in that experimental stage, and we, I think, last year, and we played in a couple national tournaments, we played with the shot clock nine times, uh, you know, out of our 31 games. And so now our kids get used to it. And I think it's a great way to continue to teach the game and and play it the right way. And, uh, you know, I I know there's some of the old school guys that, you know, gosh, if I probably call Coach Whipple right now, he'd probably roll over in his grave. And we hadn't talked about it, but I, I love Coach Whipple. And, uh, you know, some some of the, the old Coach Harris is against it. Gosh, I mean, he, he means as much to me as anybody in, in, in my uh, coming to be a coach one day. But I, I think it's great for the game. I think it's a matter of time. I can't wait for it to be implemented. And I think that's going to happen in the next few years. I really do. Um, you know, I, if there's the one rule change that I probably don't like, Coach Combs is the two-shot shooting foul at the fifth foul of each quarter. I, I kind of like the one-and-one. I thought that Bingo. strategy put, Bingo. put pressure on. I mean, I just, I don't like that right now. I'm yeah. still adjusting. I still look up there at team files thinking, okay, they're in the one and one um, Man, I don't like that rule, though. But I, I want the shot clock, but I also want the one and one back. Mm-hmm.
1: Count me on, on your side so with got, that one for what it's worth. Well, you've got three games, I think, left in the season. Do you start, how do you start preparing
8: for the playoffs? Do you do anything different? Are you literally a one game at a time? And when the season's over with uh regular season, then you move on from there. How do you prepare for that?
9: Yeah, we're pretty one game. I tell you, back in the day, there was a couple times that I would try to prepare for, I can just remember back, Irmo, Markov with Gaffney, that I felt like I changed who I was the day or two before, and in this last, you know, 10, 12, 15 years, I, I learned a lot from those first six or seven where I just tried to do too much, and I have really tried to keep us in a schedule of what we do at practice, what film work we do on us, on them, and every game's the same. And I just think that that doesn't put the kids, it doesn't uh, make them un, unsure about themselves or, oh, coach is worried about this. So, yeah, we're definitely a program that keeps the exact same schedule every, every game.
8: Well, that's great. Uh, who is there any players in your area that, uh, that stood out to you this year that other people should be talking about?
9: Well, I, you know, I'll, I'll be honest. The owner radar prospect, and I was talking to Dave Dickerson at USC Upstate, and I called Quentin Farrell at PC. And matter of fact, I think they play tonight. We've got two of our guys playing in that game. I can't wait to check in on how that's going. But Will Fowler at Burns is really, really good. He had 41 in the game. You know, he missed most of last year, so I don't think people know about him. Uh, Justin Ray at Eastside, I think South Carolina and Clemson were kind of peeking in him for a while. He, he's a really, really... Uh, explosive score, uh, you know. Columbia's got some really good players, especially at Lexington and Gray. Uh, but now in the Upstate, as you asked, you know, I, I think that's led by Will Fowler. You know, Justin Ray at East Side, Aturbe. Dad played at Clemson. Uh-huh. Julian Aturbe from uh, Riverside, a good player going to American University. So that's some of our best ones up here right now.
8: Well, tell me what do you think about Lexington High School this year? Have you had a chance to watch them and Cam Scott, your old your old high school, what what do you think about them?
9: Well, I think they're absolutely loaded. Okay, and you know, it's gonna take a <laughs> it's gonna take a big time performance from somebody in five A to knock them off. I'd say right now Burns probably has the 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 team that could do that, but Cam Scott, Prunty, I mean they're just really, really explosive and good and Elliott Pope, you know, the, you just go look at the schedule they've played. He's prepared them, and, and 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 they're taking care of business night in and night out. I mean, Lexington is a is a big, big favorite in five eight. There's no question about it.
1: Coaches, we got to wrap. Coach Combs, you want to wrap it up for us?
8: Hey, I just thank you for uh, having us on and getting an opportunity to talk uh, South Carolina basketball, high school basketball. It's fun when we could talk about. Uh, the players that we've coached, the players we've coached against, and having a major impact on the national stage um, in college basketball.
1: It's a lot of fun. Uh, Thank you, Coach. Coach Ryan, thank you, sir, and good luck this week. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Have fun. You too. And thank you, Coach Combs. Great stuff. Thank you all very much. You have a great week. Yes, sir. Talk to you next week as we draw closer to the high school playoffs here in South Carolina. We'll be all over it, Coach Combs and uh, guests as we go through the end of the regular season here and on to the playoffs coming up here in just a couple of weeks. All right. I love talking basketball here on Sports Talk. The half is leading Alabama 41-27. Virginia leads Notre Dame 23-15. Wake Forest 22, Pittsburgh 15. Upstate and Presbyterian tied at 26. Radford leads Charleston Southern 24-13. And the Citadel with a 21-18 lead on Furman, Wofford, and Sanford still to come. Also tonight, Florida plays at Kentucky. Arkansas plays at Missouri. Vanderbilt will be at Auburn. Also, Purdue is leading Northwestern 47-39. Xavier 38, St. John's 34. And... West Virginia, leading Cincinnati 17-15. We'll be right back. (music) This note out of North Carolina beginning today. North Carolina private school athletes will be able to earn money off their NIL. Since the North Carolina High School Athletic Association public athletes cannot. The question is, is there a big change coming in North Carolina high school athletics? This was the question posed by Langston Wirtz of the Charlotte Observer. So today's the day private school athletes in North Carolina can make money off their NIL. There's no stopping any of this on the high school level, the college level, heck, even going down to the powder puff level. Who knows who'll be making money off their name. And you know what? I guess if a 8-year-old pianist can go on a show and make money, why can't a fullback? God bless America. Alright, last night the Gamecocks were money in Knoxville against Tennessee. Hard-fought win over the 5th ranked volunteers. Here's Lamont Paris.
11: What a good game. thought our guys just battled. There's some coach speak for you but uh, both teams both teams played so hard I mean just played so hard Um, and we made some plays when we needed to got to the free throw line and made some big free throws down the stretch secured the ball against really good pressure their man-to-man pressure is elite thought we did a good job of handling that which allowed us to operate in the half court and then even when we did get out of sorts we just made a play here and there and that's uh, ultimately what it came down to I thought we did a good job defensively trying to stay within the principles that we've uh, been preaching since July and so I thought we did a good job of that for the most part blocked out and rebounded when we needed to and and we're lucky to get out of here with a win Uh, in a tough place crazy environment uh, against a really 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 good well-coached, experienced team.
9: What were y'all able to to do to kind of
11: limit Ziegler and Adu like that? It's not often that they have a game like that at the same time. Um, You know, we just were – I don't want to – I keep saying this. We tried real hard. I think guys tried really hard to be in two places at once sometimes. Sometimes you got to help over here and then get back to your guy. We tried to – Ziegler's so fast and quick and a good scorer and player – we tried to we tried to have two bodies at the initial point of attack in their break where they set that little rub butt screen at the top of the key. I thought that's the area if we could slow it down right there for him, you know, maybe we'd had a chance. We tried really hard to stay in front of him and make most of his shots be over the top. Um, and uh, you know, just what they do, we were just we, we blocked out. He didn't have many, if any, second chance situations that were that that he's normally used to doing they got into he got loose in the ball screen a couple of times that was kind of part of our plan based on how we were guarding the ball screen we were going to concede a couple of those um and then we just played we played some good one-on-one defense against him and then we played some good one-on-one defense so uh, guys tried really hard to play good man-to-man one-on-one defense against a good team
1: Lamont, first road win over a top five team since 1997. What does it say about this team to go into a hostile environment like tonight and find a way you know, to get the win in the end?
11: It, I, I think what it says the most is that their, their commitment to try to uh, look at a really big challenge like winning on the road at a top five team and break it down into smaller pieces. Well, how do you do that? You have to block out and rebound. You have to uh, take care of the ball, pass it to the guys with the same colored jerseys on. And I think, I think we've, had a, we've been really successful at breaking it down into small action plans. Um, and if you do enough of those things, you look up at the scoreboard and it'll be in a situation oftentimes where you have a chance to win. Um, and I think the more we dive into that with that mentality, the less we're concerned with anything else, with where we're playing, uh, who we're playing against, uh, what the crowd is, what, a, what the records are. I think we dive into our own plan. What does it say about Michi Johnson where he just couldn't quite get the shots to fall again tonight but still finished with six rebounds and six assists, including a couple of key ones later. there in the game? Yeah, he's, he's a player. This is how basketball works. Um, you know, sometimes you go out there and everything you shoot goes in. Other times you go out there and nothing that you shoot goes in, right? And so if if those are the only things that a person brings to the table, well, then they're only out on the floor when it goes in, and they're not on the floor when it doesn't go in. Uh, but Michi can do so many things for us defensively, as a creator. I mean, he can get in the paint. His decision-making has been, has been really good and really consistent. He, he was the catalyst to the three-pointer in the corner as he got both feet in the paint and kicked. That was a big play for us. I think we went from three to six right there, which optically to these guys matters at that point in the game. So, um, you know, he's, he's, he's got a lot of ways that he can impact the game. We try to get everybody to, to, to do that, to think that. Right? You've got to find ways that you can impact the game. And if, it, if it's only making a shot, then uh, your net worth is going to be lower more times than it is higher.
9: There's been so much doubt around this team this entire season, but that's number, six, number five and number six in the past seven days. What do, do these wins say about the heart
11: and passion of the guys you have on this roster? Yeah, they, I mean, they, they got a lot of heart. They're, they're, it's a passionate group. They want to, you know, they want to—they want to—they uh, uh, want the sp- the spoils of whatever happens when you do what we've done, what we've done already. They want the spoils of that, but they're—they're. Um, they're, they're fighters, they're tough. Um, they want to win badly as a group. And I say that as if that's the assumption that everyone should make with every team, that's not. In 2024, that's not the assumption. We got a team full of guys where everybody wants to win and they do whatever that they can, but it's a resilient group. Um, you know, They have a lot of respect, our guys. They have a lot of believers guys do and so they know who matters the most uh as they as opinions are formed and so they feel good about this it. a confident group they're a confident group they work hard they play well they're a confident group y'all hit a bunch of clutch free throws down the stretch miles duty ma- making four of them yeah. uh, what 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 did you sense from from him going to the line and and if you could just speak to his game coming coming off the injury and, and playing as well as he did and- well i mean i hope they went in <laughs> Like I do anytime somebody goes up there, right? We try, to, we try to simulate situations at the free throw line at practice. They don't come close to simulating that right there. Um, I mean, to, to meeting that scenario. But, um, you know, he went up there. He was confident. He was not overconfident. That's when real doubt starts to creep in. The guy that is overconfident as he steps up there, as if it's no sweat. Um, I think he respected the moment. I think he went up there and went through his process, and, and, and he made the, made the shots. That was good. Did you ask me a second part to that question? Oh, yeah, good. That was good. It's never easy to come back when you've been, on a, when you've been out due to an injury. I mean, it's hard. And I'll tell you, the hardest thing is to stay in a lane. You're going to come back and show the whole world, right, they've been missing me, watch. I'm going to get 20 shots up see why, they, why they've been missing me. It's so hard to stay in your lane when you come back like that. You're trying to prove stuff, come on. I mean, you're 20, 21, 20, however old Miles is. You're trying to prove something. And so he did it in the right way. He really let the game come to him. He had some opportunities that presented himself to him, and he took advantage of them. Get a lot of credit for that.
1: You were 13 and a half point underdogs coming in, so not many people thought you had a chance to win this game. But getting off to a, a good start in this environment, how was that important to the way things played out for you, that your guys maybe settled in early and got a good feel for the game early?
11: I mean, I think it's important always to get off to a good start. good start's better than a bad start, right? But, um, yeah, maybe in an environment like this, sure. Maybe in an environment like this, if you go down 11-2, to two, maybe it's hard to come back. Maybe you don't make a comeback, right? So um, maybe. But, but having said that, what's just as difficult as that is to get a lead, right? And then... To lose that lead. That's possibly more difficult, um, and so I just I just think it's I think you got to grind. It's a possession by possession situation. Guys got to be. They have to know that. They have to believe that. There's no 24 point shot out there like they. They have to manage the game on a possession by possession basis. And they did a really good job of staying in the moment. The words that they say in the timeout are meaningful. Meaningful messages that they are saying in the timeouts and on the court and. Uh, that's, that's really important. It just tells you they know where they're at and how to manage the situation. You might play well. You might not play well. But they know how to manage the situation.
1: All right, Lamont Paris, what he had to say after the win last night in Knoxville. Now let's go to a little John Coliseum. Brad Brownell got his team a victory over Louisville. Looked like it was going to be a walk in the park there for a while. Turned out to be anything but. By the end of the game, What did Brad Brownell think of things? Oh well,
12: that was harder than I would have liked. But uh, give the Louisville kids and coaches a lot of credit. Um, Man, they just kept battling. They, I I told our guys, you watch them on film; they're playing hard, really hard. And uh, obviously, all you got is looking at the uh, the rebounding. We've had two of the probably two of our best rebounding games of the season. against Duke and Florida State, defensive rebounding. And I got to watch the film. Now, we played some zone, and I do think they got some rebounds against our zone. Um, but I, I don't I don't think our guards did a good job at all tonight rebounding, and that was obviously a big factor in them having a chance to come back. Um, having said all that, I thought we played. We didn't shoot the ball well again, and um, very slow starting, some because we missed a lot of good shots again. but. There was a stretch there, last ten minutes of the first half and first ten minutes of the second half. We played very well. Obviously, built a big lead. Um, I think our defense is improving, and um, we got a lot of first shot miss. Obviously, so that part was really good. Um, we had some very careless turnovers down the stretch, and and uh, they made some shots. And sometimes that happens. You know, you get behind, and you're really kind of playing with a free mind. And the shots are there's a lot less stress. Um, and I think that's part of the reason why you see comebacks in college basketball. The swings are so so great. The team that has the lead gets a little tight, which we did, and then the team that's behind is kind of playing free. But, um, again, we'll take it. Really happy the way we played for about 25 minutes of the game um, and give the Louisville kids and coaches a lot of credit. I thought they, they really busted it and competed, and they whipped us on the glass. Questions for me? Can you
9: talk to us about uh, Chase Hunter and his accomplishment tonight and the great game you played?
12: Yeah, he did. You know, Chase has been playing better. Um, really happy for him. Um, he's had a lot going on. New father, um, just had a baby and is beaming from it, which I think is really cool. Um, and uh, But I think he's played well these last couple of weeks. He's kind of coming out of it. He made a couple of threes. Certainly, it's been fun to coach him in his career here. He's had a lot of adversity, uh, ups and downs, especially as a young player with injuries. And then You know, just kind of trying to find your way like most freshmen and sophomores do. Um, But he's really blossomed into a nice player. And uh, he's had a nice career to score 1,000 points. uh, Speaks to how good he is. And and, uh, certainly I've enjoyed coaching him, and and I'm really happy for him.
11: How big was it to kind of get over the hump after the other day and then not playing your best today? Yeah,
12: I mean, you know, this is what it is. I mean, we've, you know, win a game and lose a game, win a game, lose a game. It just kind of, we haven't been able to, kind of build a streak um you know hopefully we can play well saturday uh yeah i mean it's again that was an emotional heartbreaking brutal loss you know it's and it's it it sticks with you for a while just human nature and uh but i thought we came out fine um you know if we make shots we have a good lead early uh now maybe they say the same thing if they made some of their shots early um you know, the game is different. But uh, I thought we got a lot of good shots. We just, again, for whatever reason, this building, we're having a hard time making them. uh, But defensively, I thought we played hard. I thought uh, we we mixed in some zone tonight, which was good for us. Um, We just wanted to try that on some B.O.B.s. And, uh, you know, but there was a little segment. I I thought a couple guys off the bench, maybe not quite as much juice as I would have liked. But... You know, again, I thought the middle half of the game we played great, and that's why we had a 20 point lead.
11: With the veteran leadership that you have on the team, would you like to see a little bit better killer instinct, like finish team Yeah,
12: team? sure. Yeah, I'd love it. You know, team, but again, I think, yeah, that's, you know, the killer instinct, it's not, you know, the Georgia Tech game is, I don't think that's a good example of killer instinct. Tonight is, um, you know, we just made a couple of dumb plays on defense in the last end of the game and they made some big shots. Uh this was killer instinct. And I I was imploring them at the you know, 12 minute mark, let's let's not let's finish it. Knock them out right here. This is our chance. And then the next time out, let's knock them out. This is our chance. And we just we didn't get it done. And uh again, some of that's credit to Louisville. You know, some of it is we had a we missed some shots. Um had a couple of silly turnovers and they started they started making a few and so they got confidence and they started putting some Little bit of game pressure on us. Um, but to give our guys credit too. We did make four free throws down the stretch, um, got a couple stops down the stretch. You know, you, you kind of sometimes gloss over those, um, you know, but certainly if the outcome had been different, we, we wouldn't be doing that. So, and that's kind of what happened to Georgia Tech.
9: You talk about the shooting that continues
12: to be a problem. How do you snap out of that? I don't know that I know. Um, you know, I don't talk about it a lot. I don't think you make a mountain out of a molehill, but um, you know we've done a lot of shooting. Guys are coming in and shooting all the time, shooting with coaches before practice, after practice, during the day. PJ comes in in the mornings. You know, um, you just kind of work your way through. Like Chase has made a couple here lately, and I didn't make didn't make as many at Duke, but um, PJ just had a tough shooting night from three. You know, I mean. I think five of the six shots are probably really good shots, and usually he's going to make at least two of them, Um, two of the five. But uh, tonight just (coughs) – excuse me, (laughs) didn't go down.
1: With that said, late in the game when you needed baskets, the comfort of
12: having P.J. Yeah, Yeah, huge, huge player. I mean, obviously, yeah, he's – I mean, he's a stud. You know, I mean, he's a first-team all-conference player, and, you know, we're trying to go to him when we can, um, you know, and – most of the time he delivers. I mean, he's just, that's why he's good. And uh, he makes plays at crunch time. He makes plays when you need him. He wants the ball. Um, you know, he's an outstanding player and, um, you know, lucky to coach him. So
9: that Alex anyway wasn't available. Today.
12: Yeah, he's had a little bit of a setback. It's just, you know, and it wasn't like I said that he was, you know, he was never going to play at Duke. He's, you know, he's really, he's trying. he's been trying to work his way back through it. He's tried a couple practices you know, again, he's he hasn't played in a full practice. He's tried, but it's you know, it's just this is a hard, it's a hard one. Like you, you know, you kind of got to go with the player and the trainer, and just they got to tell you how they feel, and um, you know, just he hasn't been able to get it get it right yet.
1: All right, Brad Brownell, following the win last night for the Tigers over Louisville, back at home for a really, really big one against Virginia coming up on Saturday afternoon. We'll come back after the break, give you some recruiting. Also, this note popping out tonight, maybe we should have thought about this, not surprised, Brandon Marcello including Clemson's Mike Reed on what he's calling an early potential list of candidates for the Boston College job. Of course, Reed is a graduate of Boston College and he's just done a phenomenal job at Clemson so he's got him on that early list back in a moment Last year was a big year for Founders Federal Credit Union and our amazing members. A total of
10: $30 million was given back to qualifying members in the form of loyalty bonus dividends, proving once again that it pays to be a Founders member. Founders is also committed to pouring time and resources into the local communities we serve. If you aren't a member yet, what are you waiting for? Join Founders today. Visit foundersfcu.com. Federally insured by NCUA. Membership qualification required.
1: You've
2: put in the work for your education. The extra early, extra late, extra, extra work. That's because you understand education opens doors to better pay, better opportunities, and a better you. Being educated about playing the lottery is no different. It helps you be a better player, one who knows when to play and when to take a rain check. The lottery's a game, so let's keep it fun. Learn more at sceducationlottery.com slash better you.
3: George Bryan for Tsunami Bar Sports, our inventor, David Abernathy, has always said Tsunami Bar technology allows us to take the training to the grass. Now I know through my sport of golf that natural agility can be converted to athletic ability. And why is this
0: Tsunami, Robbie? transferring the training to the grass, this may be the most undervalued characteristic of the Tsunami Flexible Bar technology. The Tsunami Bar action loads and unloads at the concentric and eccentric transition points. This is what we call reversal forces, and the Tsunami Bar is the only bar and training device that I know of that can train these reversal
1: forces adequately at speed hey this is phil cornblew the tsunami bar is a terrific training device whether you're working on your fitness or your golf game it's convenient it's easy to use and you won't feel beat up afterwards be sure to click on the digital ad on sportstalksc.com and get five percent off any order using promo code bbb5
0: don't wait order today Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity. And members save more on insurance, groceries, health care, restaurants, travel, concerts and sporting events through Co-op Connections touchstone energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives and as a member the power is yours experience the power of co-op membership with touchstone energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at (laughs) touchstoneenergy.com
1: All right, time for the Recruiting Report, brought to you by Seawells. Get on over to Seawells for the Daily Luncheon Buffet. Two more days to go this week for the Daily Luncheon Buffet, capped with a roast beef Friday, every day, 11 till 2. It's only $14, and you need the very best in the catering business. You give Seawells a quick call, and they'll take care of everything for you. 803-771-7385 online at SeawellsCatering.com sc So we uh, catched up, catched up, we we catch up with safety Christopher Hatfield, six three two zero five, Lincolnton, Georgia, who was in for the USC Junior Day on January the twentieth, where he met with Tor- Torian Gray and head coach Shane Beamer and defensive coordinator Clayton White, and he likes what they have done in developing safeties like Nikki e. Menwari and DQ Smith and Jalon Kilgore. And he said that uh, all that's left an impression on him. He loved the visit, loved the area, really likes the coaches, likes the fact that, as he put it, DBs from South Carolina, they go to the NFL, and that's certainly something that he wants to do. He had planned to visit Georgia Tech last weekend and West Virginia this coming weekend, but he's had to change those plans. He'll get to those two and back to USC in the spring. The Gamecocks have set the bar high with the way they handled things with him. He said the relationship is there, communication is there, everything is good with South Carolina right now. But he's going to take his time and visit five schools for official visits this summer and then go from their decision in November or December. USC 2026 commitment quarterback Landon Duckworth was offered by Arkansas. Clemson coaches Dabo Sweeney, Mickey Kahn visited safety John T. Gilbert of Atlanta today. Clemson offensive line coach Matt Luke visited Tuesday with offensive tackle Zaire Addison of Riverview, Florida. Several more offers handed out by USC. Cornerback Mark Manford of Marietta, Georgia. Linebacker Tyson Harley of Washington. Running back Tavion Swint of Kissimmee, Florida, a UCF commit. Linebacker Cameron White of Riverview, Florida. 2026 linebacker Kedrick Golston, Washington, cornerback, Akadron Cadron in the 27 class, Nightdale, North Carolina, 27 tied in Justin Weeks of Atlanta. Hammond tied in Mike Tyler was offered by Maryland. And if you missed the notes from last night, just to hit up on a few, Shane Beamer visited with tied in Marshall Pritchett of Raven Gap, Georgia, on Tuesday, USC offered 26 offensive lineman Brody Smith, Beard in Tennessee, Blythewood defensive tackle Sterling Sanders was offered by UConn, and 26 receiver Jordan Gidron of Ridgeview was offered by Duke. And offensive tackle Mal Waldrop of Phoenix City, Alabama, who was at Clemson for their Junior Day, has the Tigers high up on his list. He's going to go to Alabama this weekend, and then he'll wait and see what he does after that. He went to Auburn earlier in the month, but he really liked. Clemson and what he saw from the Tigers and what he's been hearing from new offensive line coach Matt Luke. That'll do it for uh, recruiting and for Sports Talk tonight. Thanks for being with us. Have a great night. Thank you, Pat, and thank you, Chris, and we'll see you tomorrow night.